You're tuned into Bible Snacks. Not the full meal, just a spiritual snack for On The Go. Do you know what the coolest birthday gift is you ever got me? I do. Well, it was smart on your part because uh, you you couldn't push me out of an airplane, so you had me jump out of an airplane. Yeah, I had somebody else push you out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Skydiving. Uh, how cool is that? You know, I had never been. I guess you knew I wanted to go. I don't remember if we talked about it beforehand or... Yeah, I. Oh, it hasn't even been that long ago, but I don't remember. It, it feels just, like I, it ages seemed ago. like it would be a cool gift. So it is a cool yeah. gift, and uh, I did want to go. I did want to do that, and hey, why not, right? And when you're turning older, a year another year older, that's a perfectly good time to jump out of an airplane. That's when it sounds like a good idea um, to celebrate. And I did it, and uh, thank the good Lord, I'm still alive. I made it, and that it was absolutely terrifying, but it was incredibly exhilarating. So if <laughs> If anyone's looking for an adventure, that's definitely the way to do it. But there was something really special about it, and it was the vantage point it gave me. Because Mm -hmm. you get in this little rickety old plane and fly up there and jump out, and you see the world like you've never seen it before. After you open your eyes, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um. Yeah, really when the parachute deploys, because the moments leading up to the parachute is like free fall terror. Right. And uh, you can hardly even get your thoughts to process. <laughs> um, and uh, and then the moment the parachute opens, it's complete peace. Mm-hmm. And then you're up there and you're looking all around and you can see everything. And you see the land and the, the uh, houses you never knew were hidden in some places were pretty cool and uh the way that the the farms are all laid out and then there you and eli were down at the very bottom and you got bigger bigger as i got closer and closer yeah we were we weren't sure which one you were uh-huh. to begin with because it was just little tiny specks floating down mm-hmm. before you had your parachute open you could see little specks falling out of the plane and we we're like well We'll find out once the parachutes get big enough to tell which color you should have. So um, they gave you a special parachute and they told me which color it was going to be. Or maybe you told me. Well, I needed a special parachute because of a little thing called weight restriction. (laughs) Um, Apparently you can't be over 220 pounds. And I was like... 221-ish. I literally did not eat anything that morning to to meet the weight requirement. And then it's a special parachute with only a a certain jumper that can go with you. Yeah. So that was something that I personally probably will never do because I don't like heights. Not my (laughs) thing. Um, I love to hear about it from you. I'll watch videos. We even have a video of you doing it. But to hear you talk about just your perspective... Just was it's incredible, but it it also tied into a different spiritual meaning for us. Mm-hmm. And this podcast might not be quite as fun, but it's something that we wanted to talk about. Yeah, well, being up in the sky that high, you're <laughs> as close to the heavens as I'll ever be until <laughs> the Lord returns. But it gave you a different perspective, sure. and that's what we're talking about today: is having a heavenly perspective and someone that came to our minds in the scriptures is Stephen and that story and you were looking into that what did you find it starts in Acts chapter 6 I'll just kind of summarize some of this and and then speak about some of the verses as well but to begin with uh, we have the disciples the the 
church was really growing. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the people. (laughs) They were growing in those days. And uh, they got to a point where they had to set up ministration because there was so much to be done, the widows, the visiting, and things like that. So they assigned, basically assigned certain men to Mm -hmm. oversee certain things. Verse 5, it says, And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And then it goes on to speak about the other men who were chosen as well. But we're talking about Stephen, and I want to get to the point of his character here. Going down to verse 8, it says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then at this point, there were a group of individuals who were not happy. I mean, these were the religious people of the day Mm -hmm. who did not accept Jesus Christ, actually had crucified him by this point. They weren't happy about it. Uh, They were in dispute with Stephen and uh, verse verse 10, it talks about that throughout nine, but then in verse 10, it, it says, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. You would think at this point, it would actually be a turning point. It says they weren't able to resist the wisdom, <laughs> but then we find out later they, they did. Yeah. Such an incredible testimony from this guy, Stephen, talking that they're, they're amazed at his words and that he's so full of the Holy Spirit. And it's like, who can argue this guy? Everything he's saying, it's it sounds right, and it's it aligns with what the scriptures teach. But if they were to believe it, it it would mean that Jesus is the Messiah, and they didn't want to accept that. Right. Well, one one would think that they would would believe it, but actually, it says um, that they gathered, and when they heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God, they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came and caught him and brought him to the council, and they set up false witnesses, which said this man ceases not to speak blasphemous words against the holy place and the law. So they take him against the council at this point, up to the council, and spreading false things about him. But verse 15 says, And all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Mm. And a lot of times we'll be like, oh, that's cool. (laughs) But wait a minute, do you realize what he's faced with? Unless you read the chapters prior to, you just don't understand the depth of how bad this really is from our perspective of being here on earth. Well, it's a very intense situation. And his face shining bright like an angel is also uh, representative of of Moses. When he would meet with God, mm-hmm. Moses would come down from the mountain and his face shined so bright that they actually had to put a veil over his face because the people couldn't even look upon him because his face was bright just from having met with God. Right. And it's ironic because they're criticizing him, saying he's criticizing Moses and right there in that very moment, the people are basically seeing him be, kind of become like Moses with the face shining. And surely these gentlemen remembered the story of their fathers telling them about Moses. And they're witnessing it happen before their very eyes. And you would think, right. witness that. <laughs> and maybe you'd listen to the guy that's talking to you. Right. But no. <laughs> no, instead they're like, he's speaking blasphemous words. Let's stir up, you know, lies about him. Never mind the fact he looks like an angel right now. It doesn't matter <laughs> that he actually looks like he knows God. But, you know, right. let's talk about the fact of something that's not real. So we go to the next chapter. And, I mean, he just lays it out. So he's before the council. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, they are 
basically he's up against death and he knows it at this point. And his face looks like he's so peaceful. We just, we talked about his character. I read a couple of verses that speaks about the kind of man that he was. But then in the next chapter, he goes and lays it out. Mm-hmm. It is the most profound sermon probably ever given in, in the entire Bible because it is so systematically laid out mm-hmm. going all the way back to the beginning and following up the history, the context, the way that God has, has allowed all things to take place leading up to this very moment that indeed Jesus is the Messiah. And you would think as a Christian, you read it and the whole, the whole sermon, you're reading it like, yes, yes, yes. But the Jewish people are reading it or hearing it and saying, no, no, no. And they're getting, their hearts are getting harder and harder as he preaches. Right. Yeah. Actually, he, he has 53 verses where he just, like I said, lays it out and you really have to go and read it for yourself. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we don't have the time to, to dig deep into it, but Acts chapter seven, we get down to verse 54 and it says, when they heard these things, these are the people, the council, the ones who are falsely accusing him that are bitter with him, that are angry and lashing out. And when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran up to him in one accord and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And as they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So we talked about Saul turning into Paul last week and Barnabas Mm -hmm. and his amazing (laughs) story. So we're going back a step earlier before he had got to this point of um, seeing Jesus Christ and accepting him as his savior. He he was actually probably one of the biggest driving forces behind Stephen's death, I would think. Yeah, the very next chapter actually begins with saying that Saul approved of this execution. He was all for uh, the stoning of Stephen. Um, so very much so, that was a huge part of, of his testimony in the sense of feeling guilty for having done what he did and the people being terrified of who Paul was. Yeah. But then him them com- coming to Christ, receiving the grace, and eventually received by the Christians. Yes, exactly. And Barnabas, as we spoke about, really put his testimony, um, his reputation on the line for that. But going back to Stephen, there's a lot of important parts, mm-hmm. actually. But one thing that we're focusing on right now is the heavenly perspective. And that is seen in the fact that his face was like an angel. He had complete peace amongst what was going on, mm-hmm. and and he was facing something bigger than most of us here in America will ever face. You know, we've been so blessed, but plenty of Christians around the world are faced with this type of persecution. Having such a heavenly perspective that even when he gets to the point, you know, you were talking about this earlier, when he gets to the point of being stoned, he says, do not lay the sin on them. That's right. And 
I think the takeaway for today is maybe different for everybody, but as a whole, we just are in awe of the scriptures and the story that is found here and encourage everybody to go back and read that because it's such a powerful account. And um, where we see in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, it says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and ye shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Mm. including Stephen. Exactly. So it's hard to have that perspective of joy and happiness exceedingly because of the persecution, but that's what Stephen had, and we too should have that heavenly perspective in all things, whatever that may be. Exactly. You know, just like I was standing on the ground looking at you falling Mm. from the airplane, I had... (laughs) I had an earthly perspective of what was going on. You know, I could only see so much, but you were in a different position. You were looking from a heavenly mm-hmm. perspective and you saw so much more that was going on because of your viewpoint, because you saw it. You made the decision to go up in the airplane and see it from a different perspective. Um, just like the people who actually stoned Stephen, it says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and gnashed on him with their teeth. They had... Their perspective was as far as, you know, their hand was in front of them. They could Mm. not see from a heavenly perspective. They weren't willing to see that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And on, on the opposite side, we have Stephen who having the heavenly perspective, despite where he was, despite what was going on, he had a better view than they did. Yeah. He saw everything as God sees it. And even in that very moment, seeing the heavens open and him, his face shining like an angel. Um, what a, a terrific example his life was and an encouragement he can be and the story can be to us with whatever's going on right now. Exactly.